I, I absolutely love that song. And I, I told the first service today, one of the things I like the, about the songs is I, I believe I'll, I'll see you do it again. And I love, one of my favorite parts of the Bible is I love the Old Testament. I love the stories in the Old Testament, stories like you know David and Goliath. Love that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Daniel and the lion's den. You know, even the, the, the Hebrew people, whenever God split the Red Sea wide open. And I see all those stories, and I love reading about them, but can you imagine experiencing them? And there's been so many times whenever I've, I've, I'll read those things and I'll think, God, let me see something like that happen. You know, I believe in you, God, and God, I even believe that you can do it again. And I really would encourage you, and I encourage myself, let's pray and ask for God to do great and mighty things. Because I, I believe that he can do it. All right, now that had nothing to do with our message today. That's just a little side note. So that song got me excited. Now, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in the 23rd Psalm. We've been going through a series of messages, and today we're looking at Psalm chapter 23, and we're going to be looking in verse number 5. Now, I asked you all this a few weeks ago, but you know, the 23rd Psalm, for a lot of you, you're very familiar with it. But what is the one verse... When you hear that one verse, you automatically know, oh, that's the 23rd Psalm. Now, what is it? The Lord is my shepherd. That's exactly right. As soon as you hear that, you, you at least are, are somewhat familiar with that. And for a lot of us, we say, oh, that's the 23rd Psalm. So today, we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 23. We're going to look in verse number 5. But before we get there... Um, one thing, uh, I was a youth pastor. Before people were like, well, before you became a pastor, what were you? I was, I was a youth pastor. I was, a, I was so good, I was a youth pastor for one year. And uh, so this was up in, uh, up in North Carolina, and uh, I, I took our youth group. We went to Carowinds. And one thing I like about, about Carowinds, I, y'all, I love roller coasters. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, they're, they're so, how many of y'all like roller coasters? Any of y'all like them? Okay, now what do you like about roller coasters? The loop, the drop. You like the drop. All right, she likes the drop. I like they're fast. Um, you know, I like it for me. Whenever I was younger, I had hair like Fabio. And so, you know, you just let the wind blow through your hair. And so it was just, you know, it was a lot of fun. And so I just assumed um, everybody liked roller coasters. Well, we had this one kid in our youth group. His name was Jason. He had never ridden one. He was like a, like a sophomore in high school. I'm like, Jason, I mean, you're going to love this. Uh, you've got to ride a roller coaster. It's like the greatest thing in the world. And so, uh, so you know, Jason was like, okay, I'll ride, ride it with you. And uh, whenever I told Jason about it, excuse me, I gotta do my, my little alarm's going off. All right, so whenever uh, Jason was with me, uh, he, I told him, I said, the only thing that's bad about this is standing in a line. And so I hate waiting in lines. You know, so we're sitting there waiting in the line. Uh, but as we're, as we're getting closer and closer, I'm, I'm getting more excited. And I'm talking to Jason. I mean, you're going to love this. And so we're getting closer. And I noticed the closer we got, the quieter he got. And so I'm like, I'm getting jacked up. I was like, I mean, this is going to be a blast. And so we get there to the front of the line. And I told him, I said, all right, now, Jason, I said, if, you're gonna, if we're going to really enjoy this, it's the front car. I'm the very first car. It is a blast because you really feel it. And it's just so fun. And so Jason, he doesn't know. I mean, he just gets in next to me. And uh, so, you know, I'm like, woo. You know, we're having a good time, and you know, you know the first part of the, uh, it, it's, it's click, 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 and it's going up, and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okay, we get to the top, you know, it's going, because it's going to drop, you got to lift your hands up, and so we're getting close, and I'm like, I got my hands up in the air, and I look over at him, and, and he has got his head down between his legs, he's crying, 
And he's saying, get me off of this ride. Okay, and I'm looking, I was like, yeah, it's too late, man. I mean, it's <laughs> nothing we can do. And so, uh, and so we got, and so my, my career as a youth pastor, it, it ended not long after that. Now, I tell you about a roller coaster ride, because here's, here's what I believe about life. I believe in life, that the life we are living right now, we are, you know, we are standing in line. Uh, we are standing in line because there is coming a day when the ride is going to begin. And that ride is spending an eternity with God. And so if, if for those of you who are believers, and, and you are, maybe you're seasoned in your faith, it's not that, you're, you, know, that you want to die, but if you, if you have that, 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 that hope in Jesus as you get to the top, I mean, you're, you're like lifting your hands up. It's getting ready to start. And there's an excitement that I am going to be with the Lord forever. And if a person is not a follower of God, as you are standing in that line and you're getting nearer and nearer to that ride, there's a lot, we start getting quiet. But I, but I want to share with you something, that, that God has promised a hope for people who will follow him. And that's why we can enjoy, we can enjoy life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 Paul wrote, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now, God's desire is to protect his people. His desire is for people to belong to him, to experience life in him. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us, the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he is patient with you. And it says, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, in, as we are going through the 23rd Psalm, the, the name of this series that we're going through is it's called Unshakable Peace. And I really believe that is what the 23rd Psalm points out for so many of us, is that God provides peace for his people. And when we get to verse number 5, we discover that a lot of times in life that, that things don't always go the way you want them to go. But even whenever you are facing enemies and challenges and struggles in your life, God says, I, I'll provide for you. And I'll give you peace. Now, that there is always somebody who's seeking to rob us of joy. I mean, Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. And then the thief, of course, is the evil one. It is the devil. It's, it's Satan. And so he's going to do whatever he can in order to disrupt our lives. But, but God says, verse number 1, Psalm 23, says, I am your shepherd. Now, if you're one of his sheep, he is your shepherd. And one thing that a shepherd does is he provides. And so I just want to share with you a few things that the shepherd, that God provides his sheep. And the very first thing that he provides so that we can have peace is he will provide you with nourishment. And so that's what I want you to look at in, in verse number 4 of chapter 23. Here's what it says. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Now, you know, whenever I look at the 23rd Psalm, I, you know, I, I, I read through it, then I get to verse number 5. And uh, there might be some of you that are more scholarly than I am, and that, not that that's necessarily a shock to some of you, but I, I get to verse 5, and I've, I was like, what does that mean? Have, have any of you ever wondered that? Yeah, maybe you haven't. I mean, I just I'm, I always think it's, there's some things I look at, and it's like, what is that all about? He prepares a table for me, uh, for me in the presence of my enemies. 
Have y'all ever thought about that before? Am I the only one? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. So I'll tell you what I've been thinking. I mean, I just look at that thing, and I'm like, what is that, I mean, what is, what is that talking about? I mean, a table? He prepares a table for me? What's that mean? Well, here's what our text is telling us. When it says that God is preparing a table for us, or the shepherd is, he's referring to a feast. It is a table that is set up with food all over it. Okay, now, are y'all liking that? I mean, we're moving towards lunchtime here. And so God is saying for you, I am setting up a table for you where you can feast so that you will always be filled. Now, actually, that is the job of a shepherd. Because remember, verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd. One of the jobs of a shepherd is to feed his sheep. Now, you might say, okay, well, that, that doesn't sound too bad. Well, if you live in the Middle East, it's not that easy of, an, of a job. And it's because it's very, the, the territory is very arid over there. It's not like, you know, you don't, you don't go over there and feel like you're in Ireland. I mean, they have deserts over there. Uh, there's not, you know, grass doesn't just grow all the time. And so a shepherd, his job was to find where the grass was. And sometimes that took some, you know, it took some doing. And so the shepherd would look, well, well, the Bible says that our shepherd, that God is our shepherd, he's such a good shepherd that he's going to find us plenty to eat. Matter of fact, verse number five, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That table, it's referring again to a banquet table. I mean, it is like, it is a, it is a bar full of food, and you're going to have plenty to eat. Now, God provides. I mean, if you came into the church today, God provided for you. We had the carb bar back there. I mean, just so many donuts, you had plenty to eat. Now, when God says he's going to provide food for you to eat, it's not just food. He's also going to provide you with spiritual nourishment. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it's written, man must not live on bread alone, but, 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 but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, and you will be nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Now, now God provides his sheep with plenty to eat. And spiritually, too. And I think there's a lot of us spiritually, we are malnourished. We're hungry for a pretty simple reason, because we have no clue what's in here. We have no idea of the promises that God gives. Or we might have heard of them before, but we're not willing to appropriate them into our lives. It's like saying, there's a big old hamburger back there, and I'm starving to death. It looks good, but that you don't eat it. Well, that's what a lot of us do spiritually in our walk with God. It says God has given you plenty to eat, and yet we, we choose to live in defeat. And so what happens is we live in defeat and in that we live in fear when we have a God who says, you don't have any reason to fear because I'm with you and I'll never leave you. A lot of us who live in hopelessness, whenever God tells us that he is our living hope, whenever he tells us that there's going to be a day whenever he's going to return for his people and he's going to bring them to be with him forever in heaven. So God gives us plenty to eat, but here's what's interesting to me about, if you look in verse 5, it says, but he's going, to, he's going to set up this table for me, it says, in the presence of my enemies. I, and I, again, I'm lost. Like, what does that mean? And he's going to have a banquet and there's going to be a bunch of people who hate me there. I, I, don't, I don't know about y'all, if I go to a restaurant and I look around and I see a bunch of people who don't like me, I'm, I'm going to walk up there and go, hey, uh, can I just go ahead and get this to go? You know, I'm not, I don't want to stick around and hang out with people who don't really like me a whole lot. 
Well, so, so then what is, what is David talking about here whenever he says that I'm going to be able to be well-fed in the face of my enemies? Well, what, what the Lord is saying, is that, listen, in life there are going to be times when the things are just not always going to go your way, but don't, don't fear and worry because I will always provide for you. Even in the face of your enemies, God says you can relax in me because I'll protect you and I'll feed you. I'll care for you. It reminded me of a story that, that I heard a long time ago. It was a, a man, he was, at the, he was at the circus, and he was watching these men practice. They're doing the trapeze stuff. And so, you know, they're swinging on there, and he's watching the one of the guys would flip, turn a couple flips, and then the, the other guy would swing through and catch him. And so the guy was just really mesmerized by it, and after it was over, he talked to him. He said, I'm just, I'm so, like, amazed that when you guys do that, and you, know, you just let go, and you, you're flying through the air, and, and you just trust somebody else to catch you. He said, yeah, I said, you know, I, I was able to do more flips than I've done before. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, what enables me to do that is that there's a net. And so I know that if somebody, if he misses me, I know I won't be okay because I'm going to land in that net. He said, but because that net's there, he is, I do things, I try things I would never do otherwise. And, and I thought for us as believers, God is our net. And God is never, he is never going to let you slip out of his hands. You'll always be his. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, if you know Jesus is your net in life, that ought to enable you and me to live with boldness, to try some things that we would never think about. Otherwise, why? Because we know that our God, he's going to catch us. He's not here to harm us. And even whenever we are facing enemies, we can know this. He's going to provide you with plenty. He provides you with nourishment. That that should give you peace. Now, here's another thing that he provides us for in the face of enemies. He, He makes us feel welcome. God makes his sheep welcome. If you look in verse 5 again, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then it says, And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Hospitality is a, it is a major part of Middle Eastern culture. And especially if, if there's someone traveling and they come to someone's house, I mean, they will bring you in and they will provide you with, with food, drink, and shelter. Now, this all started because, you know, it's a very arid region. And if you see somebody that's traveling, I mean, they need protection. And so because there's, there might be a day when you're going to be traveling and you're going to need somebody to take you in. So what, what they will do is they have a strict code of conduct. If they see somebody and they come to them and they need help, they will take them in. It's hospitality. I mean, you see this in the Bible. I mean, Genesis 18, verses 1 through 8, there's a man named Abraham at the time, Abram. And he had a, uh, some visitors that came by, a few guys came by. And uh, he, he brought them in. You read Genesis 18. He brings them in. He feeds them, provides shelter. And they were there to tell him. He didn't realize this, but they were, they were from the Lord. And they were like, hey, listen, your wife, she's almost 100, but she's going she's gonna to have a baby. Uh, so, but he brought, them in, he brought them into the house. Now, that's, that's, what's, that's what's being talked about here in our scripture, that they're talking about hospitality. And so, okay, so it's talking about hospitality. So how did you get that when it says the shepherd will anoint your head with oil. What, what, is, what does that mean? Well, olive oil, is a, it's, it's a, many of you know it's a major product, you know, obviously in the, in the Middle East. 
Um, olive trees in the Middle East are like pine trees in South Carolina, except for olive trees actually serve a purpose. You know, I, don't, I have no idea. Have you all noticed the big yellow clouds that are floating through the sky right now? Okay, olive trees, they produce things from the olives. Um, from the olives, they are able to get, you know, obviously, olive oil. You can use that in food. They would use it also to light lamps with as fuel. Um, they would also use it for medicinal purposes. Now, in our text, it's talking about hospitality, but that's a shepherd. Now, just as a side note, because we're talking about the Lord is my shepherd, uh, the shepherd would use the oil to, he would rub it on the cuts and the scrapes of sheep in order to, you know, to, bring, to bring healing. It was like medicine. But there was another thing, and I, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I, just, I got, y'all, this is, this is, it just really fascinates me. Um, and I told you before that sheep, that their legs aren't long enough whenever flies get around them. You know, they, can't, they can't kick the flies off of them. Um, they don't have, a, they have those little short stubby tails. I mean, they're not good for anything. Those tails can't whip around and knock the flies off. So what, flies take advantage of that. And so uh, I, I, know, I probably shouldn't tell this. I'm going to anyway because it's, it's interesting. The flies will fly up into the nostrils of sheep. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, it would drive me insane. So they drive up there. Well, the sheep can't get them out. And, so, and they, will, they will actually, they will, like, they will nest there. They will lay eggs there. Y'all are going to be ready for the food trucks after this. And so that, then the, the flies, they hatch, and the little worms, they will burrow into the sheep's, into its brain. And so it's driving the sheep nuts. And, the, and so, so it can actually lead to death for the sheep. So, so that's, this is why, we're talking about anointing with oil, the shepherd will rub that oil all over the nose of the sheep. It serves as a repellent to keep the flies out. Okay, so aren't y'all glad to know that now? Okay, so that, but that's not what we're talking about in our text. I just wanted to tell y'all that. So in our text, though, it's talking about hospitality. Okay, so that's, so, okay, so what's the deal with hospitality? Okay, in this, in this culture, when you go to visit someone at their house, when you go there, they will, the, the host will anoint your head with oil. And it's, 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 not, it's not like he just grabs olive oil and dumps it on your head. It is, it's perfumed olive oil. And so what it is basically is, you know, after, I mean, they didn't, they, they trial is dusty. And so, you know, they, and they would, you know, they, they smelled like outside. My mother used to say that. You smell like, it was a sin. You smell like outside. And so you would put olive oil, perfumed olive oil on the head in order to, you know, to take care of the scent. You know, if you have teenagers, if you've ever, uh, we had some boys that, that played football and their friends would get in our car after practice. Y'all, parents, y'all remember those smells? And so you just Febreze that sucker to death. Okay, so that is anointing, the idea that is anointing your head with oil. Now, but not everybody gets their head anointed with oil. O- only those who were the guest of the host. And so when you went to his house, then he would anoint your head with oil. So, so what is that letting me know? It, it's letting me know that, that the shepherd, he welcomes you into his home. He wants you there. You just have to be willing to go. And then whenever you go, he will take care of you. Now, you might be thinking, I never got that invitation. You, you, yes, you have. You've gotten the invitation from the good shepherd, from the Lord, to be a part of his family. Um, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, he said, I, I urge you, or, or I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And then here's the key part. And this is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants you. 
He wants you in his family. John 3, 16. For God so loved who? The world. He loves everybody. He has come so that everyone will come into his family. So when you come into his family, so here's the picture. The shepherd anoints your head with perfumed oil. And so if, if, you are, if you have been covered by the oil of God, people will notice it. It's perfumed. They're going to recognize it. Now, let me give you an example. Uh, my, my dad, a lot of you all know who my dad is. My dad was a pastor at First Baptist Church Columbia for 32 years. And uh, so dad, um, a lot of people have to know now dad is on the back row. So since he's not preaching, well, now he's back row. And so dad, dad, if you'll just slip, you all all look at my dad. So he's got his hand, but that's my dad. And uh, so dad, a lot of people knew dad because they, they they're on TV. They're on TV. So dad was on television in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. So that's the way a lot of people know my dad. But there's another thing my dad's known for, and that my dad loves cologne. And so if any of y'all back there, if any of y'all shook my dad's hand, I, you smell like my dad now. Um, he wears this cologne. It's, 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 uh, I mean, it's just really easy to, to pick up on and smell. As a matter of fact, when I could go to my parents' house, and, then I'll, and I won't even say anything to Emily, and I'll come home. She says, oh, you've been to your mom and dad's. Like, how, do you, how do you know that? Because like, you smell like your dad's. I mean, dad's cologne gets on me. Well, when, whenever you are anointed with oil by the Lord, you know, when you come into a relationship with him, people will know. that They'll be able to tell that you have been in his presence. And it's true with the disciples. Acts 4.13 says, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about your, your head being anointed with oil. You're welcome to home. The Lord anoints your head with oil. And it also says, and my cup overflows. Now, what's that talking about? Well, again, remember, it's, he prepares a table before me, so it's a banquet. And so at this banquet, there would be, there'd be servants or waiters, and when you would pick up your drink and take a drink of it and set it down, after one drink, they'd, they'd come over and fill it back up. So your cup, it, it, never, it never got low. That's, that, that's what God does. God, God will never let, he will constantly fill you. He is always, he is the ultimate host. You know, that, that's sort of the reference here in John 10, 10. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That word abundantly, it means to the fill. It's speaking of a cup that is constantly just being filled up and it's overflowing. Okay, so then here's the question. Can people tell you've been with Jesus? If you are in his home, if you come into his home, can they tell by the way that you speak? Can they tell by, by your countenance, by the way you treat people? that your head has been anointed with oil. Because if your cup is constantly overflowing and you've experienced that kind of grace with God, you will be gracious to other people. So, so what does the Lord do when we face enemies? He provides. He provides nourishment for you. He makes you feel welcome. And then here's the final thing. And this is why we're able to have peace, even when we face enemies. He's generous. God is generous with his people. Look, at, look with me in verse number 6. It says, Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now, I think typically when people think, you know, if I start following God, here's what happens. I start following God, it means I can't have fun anymore. You know, I've got to, I've got, you know life, is not, life is a slog. That's so inspiring, isn't it? You know, I've got to be miserable. I'm going to slog through this life, but when I die, then the good stuff comes. And a lot of people view Christianity that way. 
become a Christian, no fun anymore. Okay, but look at verse 6 again. It says, only goodness and faithful love will, it says, pursue me all the days of my life. You know what that tells me? Whenever I follow, become a follower of Jesus, I get to experience the joys and the blessings of Jesus now. I don't have to wait until, I, until I'm dead and go to be with the Lord. I get to experience them now. So, now. so what do I get to experience here? Well, if you look again in verse number 6, it says goodness and faithful love. That's not bad, is it? Would you all like to experience that? Well, what's goodness mean? It means beautiful, pleasant. It's it's a picture of the Lord. He is our shepherd. And a shepherd, uh, he always wants to lead his sheep into good places. You know, remember back, go back to verse number two. He wants to lead you into pastures that are full. He wants to lead you beside still waters. He wants to lead you to good places. Um, And then the next thing is faithful love. Speaking of the unconditional love of the shepherd. Our shepherd is going to watch over us. It is a love that will never be extinguished. Now think about that. Even when we are faithless, the shepherd, he is always faithful. If a, if a sheep runs off, what does a shepherd do? Does he just chalk it up and say, ah, I lost one. Too bad. No, he goes after him. He goes looking for him. It says that his goodness and faithful love, it says he, it pursues me all the day my, days of my life. That word pursue means to hunt. I like that word better. He hunts after me. Now, when I think, some, hey, so-and-so is hunting you, that makes me nervous. Because I mean, they're out to get me. Now, the Lord, when, he's, when the Lord hunts after you, he's not out to get you when he's hunting after you. He's out to rescue you. He wants to put you back on the right path. He wants the best for you. That's why you ought to be able to have peace, especially when it comes to God. God wants the best for you. Now, I remember whenever my, uh, my oldest son, he went to the Citadel, and his, his, uh, you know, his knob year, I think when you get to the end of the year, you become a part of the Corps of Cadets. So I, you know, I don't know. That's about all I know. I, just, I mean, I could have never made it there. And so they, you know, they, had, they all wore their uniforms. They marched you know, to downtown uh, Charleston, and they had an upperclassman who spoke as they were, you know, now getting initiated, becoming a part of the Corps of Cadets. And so, so you know, he's coming in, and, and uh, the speaker starts talking to a student, and he did a phenomenal job. He told this story, and I thought, I'm going to remember this. So this is like seven, eight years later, and I'm remembering the story. And uh, in the story, he said, he talked about whenever the air, there's an airplane crash in 1982 in the Potomac River. Any of y'all remember that? It's a plane that hit the bridge and, and, and went down. Well, in that plane crash, there's 79 people were on board the plane, and only six survived. And one of them was a Citadel grad. And he was a guy who was in the water there having a hard time getting to them. I mean, it was like in January. I think it was like in January. When that, it was really cold. And uh, so the, they said that guy, he was the, the one guy that was, seemed to be doing okay, he was swimming to people, and a helicopter came over and dropped this like, life preserver down, and it dropped it to him. Well, he grabbed it and went to somebody else and put it around their neck and pushed him ashore. And then they, they dropped it down again by him. They're trying, they're trying to rescue this guy. And he finds another person. He puts it around them. And all five people are rescued. And the, as the last person is rescued, the tail section of the plane went down, and it sucked him under the water, and he died. And everybody's just absolutely amazed at this guy's courage. His name was Arlen Williams. And, and they, he, he learned, when he was at the Citadel, one of the things they taught him was that that life, it's, it's about duty and honor. 
It's about serving others. And I remember when I heard that story, I thought that is a great illustration to me of who Jesus is. He said, we are are living in a decaying world. We live in decaying bodies. But Jesus came in order to reach out and rescue us, to keep us from being sucked under the waters that lead to death. He's so committed to us that he was willing to give himself up for us. Now you said, to what end? Why? If you look in verse 6 again, so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord for as long as we live, which is eternity. That's why I, that's why I like the, when Jesus told his disciples, he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he says, hey, let not, I'm getting ready to die, but hey, don't be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. I know you're getting ready to face enemies, but Jesus said, I'm coming back for you. That's, that's for you today as well. You, you face enemies. They're coming after you, but Jesus said, I'm going to come back and get you. Because not, nobody can defeat our God. Now, we're all going to face enemies in life. But when, when we do, it is encouraging to know that there is a shepherd who provides for his sheep. What does he do? Well, he provides nourishment. He makes us feel welcome. And he is generous. He supplies everything you need. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs. Now, notice it doesn't say some. It doesn't say few. It says all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He'll supply them all. Now, how can God do that? Because everything's his. Psalm 24.1, the earth is, this is the Lord's. It's all his. And he will use it, all of his stuff, all of his wealth for you. Okay, so here's the closing, and then we're done. Are you one of God's sheep? Are you in his fold? Because let me tell you something, if you're not, well, you want to be. I mean, I look at this stuff. You read the 23rd Psalm, man, God takes care of his sheep. You don't want to be outside of his fold. You might say, well, what do I need to do to get in? Well, I think back to the, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's the host. He's a welcoming host. You need to go to his door and say, hey, let me in. You know what he'll do? He'll let you in. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants you. So here's how we'll close. Just bow your head and let's close our eyes. You might say, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be an, I want to be one of the sheep of the good shepherd who always provides. What do I do? It's what the Bible says. Where you're seated, you can pray to him right now and say, Jesus, I want to be in your family. I want to be one of your sheep. And I recognize that I am a sinner. Forgive me. And save me. I believe you died and that you rose from the grave. And I trust in you today. Now, if you prayed that, just everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that, let us know. Take your bulletin. If you open it up, there's a contact form in there. Fill it out. Put your name on it. Just check that line. It says, I commit my life to Christ. And then tear it out. And they'll have, we'll have ushers as you leave. We'll have ushers at the back. 
They'll be holding these black baskets. You just drop them in there. That's all you're going to do. Drop it in there, and that will give us the opportunity to get you some information in the mail about growing in a walk with Christ. The Lord wants to be your shepherd. And if he's your shepherd, you will not want for anything. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I pray that as we close out our service with this last song, God, may we sing with joy. And I pray this in Christ's name.